Well, I want you to just take a, a moment and I want you to think about in the scope of your life, wh- who are some leaders that have meant the most to you? Just take a minute. Think about someone that you've looked at and the scope of your life. Maybe it was when you were a kid. Maybe it's like right now. And you can think on some leaders that you have looked at and thought, man, they have really had an impact uh, in my life. Some of them may remind you of just the kindness. Maybe someone who saw you when it felt like maybe no one else saw you, but they saw something in you and said something powerful to you or called you up in some way. Or maybe it's someone that you weren't necessarily close to, but you were watching from a distance and you were seeing the fruit, the, the life of, uh, that they were carrying and, uh, and you were interested and you thought, man, it, I would follow that man or I'd follow that woman anywhere. Or maybe it's someone that you even saw that's in the public sphere and saw the way in which they led. Maybe you didn't even have a relationship, but you looked at them and you thought, this is someone that I find myself wanting to emulate in some way. Or maybe it was just someone who actually just made you feel safe. Like all the world doesn't really feel safe, but this person, when I'm around them, I'm really incredibly grateful for because they made me feel safe. What we'll find is that I don't know anyone that doesn't have a real hunger to be around meaningful leaders. There's all kinds of leaders. I actually love looking at leadership. I've I've mentioned before here, uh, on several occasions, I'm, I'm so fascinated by World War II. I watch documentaries and I read books on it. In fact, I'm in the middle of a 52-hour audiobook on the rise and fall of Nazi Germany, which feels a little weird. I'm just going to be honest with you, but, uh, but it's really fascinating to me because there's really great leaders and then there's really awful leaders. And their leaders exist, and people are actually looking for leadership. There's a, a book, that one of the books that I got to listen to, was a book called Band of Brothers by historian Stephen Ambrose, who's an author. They ended up turning it into a, a, a TV miniseries. Uh, but in this book, uh, it's describing this one particular company, Easy Company, from their beginning training all the way through the war. And so you're following this company all the way through, and uh, they're sweeping across uh, uh, France and moving into Belgium, and they come to this place uh, on their journey where they are uh, tasked with taking over this city called Foy. And they had gone through re- different revolutions that they had lost men that were a part of their company. Uh, they had different leaders come in, and the leader that took over the company was really wrestling with leadership. And so they were tasked, so he was leading them in to take over this city that had been held by Germany. And he's uh, literally halfway through uh, taking on the town when he freezes up and he stops the advance and he sits down, hides behind a haystack and he doesn't know what to do. And the men are asking him, where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? And he ends up uh, hanging out one of, the, uh, one of the groups, he ends up hanging out uh, to dry on the left, and it, is, it starts to be a massacre. 
And so the battalion leader stands from the back and he grabs a lieutenant that's there on the side watching the advance. And he says, you go in there and take over for this uh, leader that has frozen and you take command. So he goes in there, grabs the men, says, this is what we're gonna do. They bring the advance, they go all the way in and they take over this town in a matter of moments with just one leader coming in. Leadership makes all the difference in the world. You can have amazing people around you, but listen, leadership is critical to the scope of our lives. People are craving good leadership. It starts all the way back when we're kids. We often look to our parents, and sometimes some of you had some great, amazing parents who really great, gave you great leadership. Some of you maybe didn't have a lot of great leadership, but what happened? Either way, what you said in your heart is, oh, I wanted to be just like my mom or dad or what you came across saying, well, when I grow up, I want to be very, very different than what I experienced at home. But either way, what you are thinking about and looking for is leadership. What you're hoping for is to be around people who can be a signpost, be around wisdom and understanding that can lead. And as we mature, as we get older, even after being kids, we get look at maybe different celebrities or athletes or politicians, people that we think are worth looking up to, maybe from a, even a distance. Maybe we start to look at those that are a little further ahead in life and saying, that person's on a trajectory that I want to find myself on. Maybe someone that's gone down the career path that you've gone down, you're watching them. I remember actually when I was 16 and felt a deep sense of call to be a part of vocational ministry. And so what I did is I just spent all my time trying to hang out with pastors. It's just what I wanted to do, hang out with pastors. It's about as nerdy as it gets, but that's what I wanted to do. Just so I, and I remember I got into college and I would just begrudgingly like go to class so I could get through my classes so I could get back to church and go hang out with pastors because I just wanted to figure out how can I lead well? I want to do that. We all crave leadership. Listen, we all want good, healthy, wise leadership. We're all looking for it. Even in a nation that celebrates individuality and freedom, all of us are actually looking for someone that can actually point the way and say, hey, there is a way to go here that will bring life to you. Even the most seasoned leaders, if you ever listen to leaders, you'll find that every one of them are looking at leaders. It's important. We all want it. We all need Nobody wants to feel like they're out there in the middle flailing. And I'll say this. You and I especially want leadership when it feels like the floor drops out from underneath us or when there's chaos around. When there's chaos, what do you want? You want someone that knows. Someone you could trust to stand behind, to walk after. That's what we long for. In fact, you'll see it actually all through the scripture themes of leadership. Proverbs talks about it all the time. Proverbs 15, 22 says, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 11, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there's what? Safety. Proverbs 24, for by wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in the abundance of counselors, there's victory. 
So literally, the idea here is walk with people, walk in community, walk with good leaders, and you experience success and safety and victory. And all that is amazing. But it actually pulls to the surface the question of who is it that you're following? And what you and I will find is I'm grateful for this community of believers and I'm grateful for the great leaders and people to look at. But there is one leader. There is one leader who stands above them all. No one in your life will lead you like Jesus will lead you. Now that sounds super simple, but it is profound. Because we all get to ask this question, myself included. How much is Jesus actually leading you? How devoted are you to the leadership of the one who knows everything? We're so grateful for all these earthly amazing men and women who stand in leadership, and yet there is one whose leadership outshines them all. And the question is, is how hungry, how, uh, how much allegiance does your heart have to the one who knows it all? To the one who steps back and looks at chaos with a smirk? Because he knows all. In fact, Psalm 2, we didn't get to study that in this series. Maybe we'll do it some other time. Says that all the kings and all the world is trying to do all their things. And it says God laughs in derision at what is looks chaotic on the world. God's going, dude, you don't even know. The Lord knows. And here's the thing: the Lord knows what's happening all around you, and he knows exactly what's happening inside of you. And he's ready to lead. And that's the beauty of what we get in this psalm is we have a leader who's trustworthy that we can follow and not in some spiritual cloud sense, but in very real ways. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's an amazing picture here. It's one of the well, most well-known, if not the most well-known psalm. If you grew up in any kind of church, it's entirely possible you could quote this entire thing, and yet it's the most profound and rich truth 
about how the God of the universe leads you. This picture here says, okay, you want to start in a place of leadership. This is where you start, where Jesus is revealed to be a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You want to say, Jesus, here's what God wants to say. If you want a picture of how the sovereign of the universe leads, here's what it looks like. He's a shepherd. So he is. In fact, Jesus, a thousand years after this is written, a thousand years after, here's what Jesus would say in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. Psalm 23 was about me. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. I love this description here in the psalm and here in John 10 because uh, if you actually get to study at all in any way, shape, or form, actual shepherds, you'll know that there are actual, you'll find out there's actually good shepherds and there's bad shepherds. And good shepherds do one thing and bad shepherds do another thing. Bad shepherds don't attend to their flocks and they'll find that atrophy will set in and disease will set in because they're not paying attention. They're not watching over them. There's this huge distinction between good shepherds and bad shepherds, how good shepherds operate, how bad shepherds operate. And Jesus is wanting us to know, I am the good shepherd. It's entirely possible many of you have found yourself under what feel like are bad shepherds. Maybe you had fathers or mothers who yelled or screamed or manipulated or ignored. Maybe you had spouses or bosses or pastors who you were looking to leadership for and they let you down. They were supposed to be looking out for you and they didn't. They looked for their own self-interest first. You and I actually know firsthand, almost everyone, what good leadership and good shepherding and what bad leadership and bad shepherding feels like. And Jesus just wants to say, okay, you want to know the mark of a good leader? Here's the mark of a good leader. I lay my life down for the sheep. I lay my life down for you. If you're here and even wondering, like, okay, where is God? What does he think about me? Maybe you're wrestling internally with things that are broken inside of you. You've got questions about the days ahead or questions about whether or not you're worth, worthy to be a part of this family. Jesus has one thing to say. I'll lay my life down for you. This is what real and true leadership looks like. It's what separates Jesus from every other deity. It's what separates him from every other politician. Separates him from every other leadership hopeful. There's no one on the earth like this shepherd. You can follow Jesus with your heart 
and with your future and with your life and with your spouse and with your family and with your job and with your city and with your home. You can follow him with abandon because he is the only one who will perfectly care for you better than you could ever care for yourself. Meaning you'll have a thousand decisions, right? Come on. You got a thousand decisions to make every day from like first in the morning, does Billy need peanut butter sandwich or turkey today? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like you got a thousand decisions, okay? That don't feel like, and you're just going like, okay, at some point in time, you get exhausted with the decision making. Life can feel a little bit overwhelming. And this is where the beauty of our Lord comes in because he's well aware of the fullness of life and he's ready to give you his life. He's ready to stand in with you through all of the questions, all of the thoughts, all of the decisions, everything you've got. He's ready to be in it full on with you. His leadership will always move you towards life. Even when, hear this, even when the Lord's moving you into places that are not comfortable, and he will. In fact, we'll see even in this psalm, he's going to lead you in paths. Some of them are going to be down in a valley of the shadow of darkness. Some of them are going to be right in front of your enemy. But the places he's leading you are going to lead you to life. So we get to look at how he goes about doing that in our lives in very real ways. See, in packs a few ways here. He says, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Jesus's leadership always refreshes, always. His leadership always refreshes. You might even feel really tired. Let's, we can get, if we could all take a step back from about the last three years and acknowledge it's been a little bit Exhausting from COVID all the way to the upheaval, strained economy, relationships strained, finances strained, political things, all the things going on. Everybody's hoping to be refreshed a little bit. Everybody's hoping for some kind of like new life, new start. I just gotta be honest with you. If you wanna be refreshed, There is no circumstance in this life that will come and fully refresh you. It doesn't exist. If you're looking for the the next election to refresh you, just news flash, okay? I don't care. Listen, vote. I don't care who wins. It isn't going to refresh you. It's not going to refresh you. I thank God for godly leaders in all kinds of high places. Pray for that. But listen to me. If you want to be refreshed, there's one source. Where are you going to be refreshed in your life? Are you hoping your spouse is going to do it or your kids are going to do it? Pray about that. (laughs) I love my kids, man. They're not always a source of refreshment. From time to time, they refresh. It's awesome. They're amazing. But if you want to be refreshed without question, would you open your heart up to the Lord and just ask him, I'm, I'm tired. I feel like I've been fighting this same battle for years. 
Or, Lord, I'm stuck in a situation I can't get out of. Or, Lord, I've got an addiction I cannot drop. Help me. I need refreshing. He's worth coming to. He's the one who always refreshes. It's who he is. It's what he does. It's how he's wired. He is the sovereign. You might even say, yeah, but if I trust the Lord this way, he might even lead me into places that are uncomfortable, new places. He might even ask me to go somewhere, do something that I've, I've never been a part of or never done before. I love Darren's, even his own testimony. I was like, he's like, he was a pastor for like 25 years. He's like, I've been in two men's groups. I hated them all, right? I love that. We just keep it real here in church. Come on. Men never want to be in men's groups. The women, you guys are good at groups. The men were like, I'm not perfect, so how do I, I can't show up to this thing. I'm just so appreciative of the chance of, to be a part of a, a family, they could just go, yeah, the Lord's probably gonna ask me to do some things that don't feel comfortable. You actually look, I was doing, when you do a little bit of study on this, by the way, I, I, about three years ago, I got to actually share on this psalm in a deeper way. We did three or four, I think maybe four or five weeks on it. You can go back and find it on podcast back in 2020. But you actually do some reading in, what actual shepherds do, you know what they do? They, they keep moving their sheep. Because if they don't, what happens is uh, sheep are habits, uh, or uh, creatures of habit. So they just keep doing the same thing and they'll wear down a path and they'll erode and mess up the hills and they'll consume it all and they won't move and it, they'll, they'll literally, they'll, they'll just sit and they'll, parasites will infest and all kinds of stuff. So a good shepherd says, okay, it's time to move. So the Lord's leading you to refreshing and sometimes it means he's gonna ask you to step outside of what feels okay or normal or everyday to you because he cares about you. He wants to refresh you. But he's gonna do it in his way and not in your way. He refreshes us by moving us. I'm so grateful for that. So the question is this, well, what does that look like in real life? How do I get refreshed in real life? And one of the things we, we talk about here all the time, but I think is so critical and meaningful for you, if you want to know how he refreshes you in real life, you get to come before him and acknowledge, and you get to say this one simple phrase, oh, God. I am not in control. We like to open up our hands. We do this often here. And we turn our hands up and say, you know what, we'll, what we think will refresh us is when we can finally get our hands around everything. And we can kind of own it all and control it all. And the Lord just wants you to know you'll never be there. So Lord, I'm not in control. Not in control. And some of you, that sounds, oh man, that's so good. That sounds amazing. And then there's others of you in here. Uh, the idea of not being in control is not your favorite idea. Okay. I would say this, uh, it's entirely possible you have said about yourself or thought, I'm kind of a control freak, right? Can I just say something? Stop saying that. Stop. You're not a control freak. You know who you are? 
You're a son or a daughter of the king of the universe. He holds everything in the palm of his hand. That's who you are. So you get to take the thing. Listen, uh, you might be highly responsible. We'll put it that way, okay? You may find yourself like, hey, there are things to get done. Thank God for that. There's the doers that get stuff done. There's the dreamers and the creatives. And somehow the two groups together, we make a, a beautiful world. But for those of you that are highly responsible, hear this. That's okay. That's a good thing. I thank God for that gift in the kingdom to get things done. But hear this. Turn your hands up and say, Lord, I'm not in control. You are, and I trust you. You want to be refreshed is to take all of the weights that you tend to carry in this life for your family and for your country and for your job and for your marriage and all of those things that tend to sit down on your shoulders and say, God, I'm not in control. You are, and I trust you. You want to be refreshed? Follow the Lord and hand it to him in a very real way. Jesus' leadership always restores, not only refreshing, but he always restores. Says he restores my soul. You won't, you listen, you won't find a single figure in all of the scripture who isn't facing in some way or confronting in some way fear, anxiety, doubt, or colossal failure. In fact, that's the entire narrative of humanity. They're facing struggle. And the record over and over and over and over and over again is Jesus' leadership pulls us in in those places to be restored. Where you can literally breathe. Take air into your lungs and know that God of the universe sees and can restore you. There's literally nothing that cannot be restored the record from Scripture, from the Word of God, is there is nothing on this earth that cannot be restored by the power of God. I know if you guys are familiar with the story of the prophet Elijah, so trying to be faithful, the nation of Israel keeps turning its heart away from God. And in one of the more popular stories surrounding this particular prophet is that the king of Israel and his queen, Ahab and Jezebel, have given Israel over to the worship of Baal, or Baal. And there are 450 of these Baal prophets. And Elijah's trying to stand for the righteousness of God. And so he says, all right, we're going to see who the real God is. We're going to set up two altars. We're going to put sacrifices on these altars. And you guys are going to call down on your God to create fire and consume this altar. And I'm going to call on my God to come down and consume. And we will see who the real God is. And so 450 Baal prophets scream and pray and cry, trying to get Baal to send fire from heaven to consume this sacrifice on this altar. And nothing is happening. And it gets pretty gruesome because eventually they get like uh, uh, swords and they begin to cut themselves, asking and trying to get Baal to respond to their cries. 
And nothing happens, and Elijah steps back, and he says, well, maybe your God went to the bathroom. It's actually, he, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Maybe that's just why. And then by the grace and the power and the beauty and the majesty of the God of the universe, he stands before the Lord and God sends fire from heaven. Actually, before he does that, he asks for seven buckets of water to be poured over the sacrifice. And fire consumes not just the sacrifice, but the altar and water and everything. And then they destroy the 450 prophets of Baal, which got to love me some Old Testament <laughs> justice. One of the most stunning, amazing, powerful victories we get to read about in the scripture. And Jezebel, controlling, manipulative, deceitful queen, sends a message and says, in the next 24 hours, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to have you destroyed. And how does Elijah respond? He runs. He scatters. He finally hides, and you know what he says to God? Kill me. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to go on. I've had it. Now listen. Elijah just experienced one of the most supernatural, miraculous, fantastic victories that is recorded in all of Scripture. And in 24 hours, he doesn't even want to live. You don't talk about good days and bad days. I love Elijah because he's just human. He's a prophet, but he's human, and he's just like the rest of us. I don't know if you ever had, like, I'm having a good day, and then all of a sudden I'm having a bad day. And he's wrestling with his faith. He's wrestling like, he literally is like, I don't, I was so faithful. I've been so faithful to do everything you asked me. What, what, Why? And you know what God does? God grabs him and says, okay. He says, I want to show you something. And he brings a massive wind, breaking rocks and stuff. But God's not there. And then he shows him this earthquake that moves mountains. God's not there. And then he bring, God brings this massive fire, consuming everything, and God's not in it. And then all of a sudden, God comes, and he just whispers over Elijah, and God is in the whisper. And you know what Elijah does? He covers his face. And he remembers. You can have good days and bad days, but God is a restorer of everyone that will trust him. There's nothing you're walking through or nothing you're facing that God can't bring restoration. He is the leader of all leaders. And Jesus is ready to restore what feels like it's broken. Or maybe you've had days that you were amazing victory and now you feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel. God's a restorer if you'll let him. And you know how he comes? Sometimes he comes with fire from heaven, but sometimes he actually just comes with a whisper. Are you ready and willing for the whisper? How hungry are you for the leadership of the God of the universe? I'm asking myself that. How hungry are you? for the leadership of the God of the universe? Are you willing to listen for the whisper? It's powerful. 
And then he finishes just by saying, Jesus' leadership always brings us into right paths, always. Meaning this, you don't have to just wait to be, have to be refreshed or restored, but actual present day, you're looking for like, I don't know the way forward. I'm not entirely certain whether we should turn left or turn right. If you find yourself even in that place, he isn't just waiting to refresh or restore. He's actually saying, I'll lead you right now today in paths of righteousness if you'll trust me. I'm reading the book, uh, Shepherd looks at Psalm 23. It's from an actual shepherd who's reading over and studying this Psalm, he says, it's no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. The behavior of sheep and human beings is similar in many ways. Our mass mind, our mob instincts, our fears and timidity, our stubbornness and stupidity, our perverse habits are all parallels of profound importance, meaning we often find ourselves not knowing the right way, where to go, what to do. We're all in desperate need of leadership And Jesus just wants to say, you don't have to be alone in your everyday decisions. So many people want to know what is the right way. And Jesus is going, well, hear this. I'm not just trying to get you more moral. I'm actually asking you to walk on a path with me. He leads me in paths of righteousness, meaning there's a journey, there's walking, there's conversation, there's movement that the Lord's ready to bring each one of us. And that's his heart. And what I love is that he says, I have a direction for you. And sometimes those paths will lead you towards valleys in shadows. And you have to trust me. And sometimes those paths will lead you to a table right in front of your enemies so that you can confront and address the broken thing that God's ready to address. But here's what he has for you, right paths, if we'll ask him. And then I love how we get to get to finish with this. There's a reason that Jesus leads because he wants to make abundantly clear. I'm gonna refresh and I'm gonna restore and I'm gonna lead you in righteous paths for his namesake. Now, this is probably the most important little phrase in this entire psalm. You want to ask the question, why would God refresh and restore and lead me in paths of righteousness? You have that question. You might even be going, I don't know that I've made enough decisions to be worthy of this. I'm not sure Where me and God stand, why is it that God would do this for me? Why would he lay down his life for me? You've ever asked that question? Why, God, would you do these amazing things? Why would you give up so much? Why, oh, why? Why do you love me beyond a shadow of a doubt? Why have you given me this new covenant for me to walk in? Why do you do these amazing things when I clearly don't deserve it? Why, why, why? And God says, for my name's sake, across the earth, I do these things. You want to know why God's so good to you? For his name's sake. You want to know why that's good news? 
I want you to hear this. You want to know why that's good news? Because it's not, God is not moving because you've finally proven yourself worthy enough. God is not moving on your behalf because you've finally figured out how to orient your life. Not because your record has finally matched up with God's incomprehensible glory. Not because he decides, yeah, today you deserve some of my leadership. That's not why he acts. He acts for the sake of his name and his glory, his renown forever. And that's good news because God acts for his glory, which is our deepest and richest good forever. It's for his namesake that he's ready to restore you. It's for his namesake that he's ready to refresh you. It's for his namesake that he's ready to lead you in paths of righteousness, not because you have accomplished something in order to deserve it. It's because he's good, he's glorious, he's mighty, he's beautiful, he's wonderful, he's powerful. His glory on the earth. And his glory is the centerpiece of our everlasting joy, period. God's so committed to God. (laughs) And there's more that we could get into than more than we have time for this morning. If God were about anything else other than his glory, he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be worthy of worship. He wouldn't be worthy of honor and exaltation. If God were more about anything else than his beauty and majesty, then we'd find ourselves worshiping a joke. But because he stands for his name's sake and his beauty and majesty, it actually, it's the centerpiece of our joy. Our good is actually wrapped up in his name. Your good, where the Lord's leading you, is wrapped up in his name, the beauty and the majesty of his name. And that's good news because the greatest good you will ever experience in this life, the greatest good you will ever experience in this life is the treasuring of all that he is, his name. And so he acts for you and with you. He's inviting every one of us. You guys stand with me. We're going to finish out. just going to take one more minute. Father, we're coming to you now as we close this morning. Would you just do this? Would you as an act of worship offer to him any place where you feel like you've tried to be in control and you need his leadership? We just give it to him. Offer it to him. Your glory, your goodness. I'm exchanging and taking all the places of fear and anxiety and doubt and I'm handing it over to you. Is there a place you need his leadership? Tell him, offer it to him. And then would you just receive... I lay my life down for my sheep. Would you receive his sacrifice again? If you've never received the sacrifice of the Son of God on the cross for you to cover your sin, 
to make you righteous. Here's the invitation right now. For those of you that have been following Jesus for a long time, it's a fresh opportunity again to say, I receive the fact, God, you laid your life down for me. So I trust you. I trust you. And I thank you. Lord, we love you and we honor you for an opportunity to make that exchange again. Would you continue to lead our hearts today? Would you lead us towards life and towards encouragement towards each other. I pray families would be encouraged. I pray marriages would be encouraged. I pray uh, uh, hearts would be encouraged and friendships would be encouraged with your leadership in our lives because we want to walk with you, Lord. We love you and we treasure you. It's in your name we pray. We pray a benediction as you go. If you would like prayer, we have some prayer partners up front. We'd we'd love to pray with you about anything going on in your world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, who is our good shepherd, we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings, guys. Love you. We'll see you next week.